Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Boy, oh boy, it has been too long. Thank you for tuning in to The New Wave Entrepreneur. This is my brand new show, my brand new podcast. And if you are a longtime reader of my work, a follower of the things I've done over the years, a listener to my past podcasts, either the Rich 20-something podcast or the Daniel DiBiaza show, you've watched my stuff on YouTube, you know, I appreciate you being here. And look, I had to take a break period. I had to take some time off. And as you can tell, uh, things have been changing around the world. And I thought it was time to come back and, you know, speak my mind, share my voice on what's going on in the world in 2021 when we're starting this podcast all the way back up. So the first thing I want to do is just give you guys a little bit of background on what I've been up to over the past few years. Of course, it's me, Daniel DiPiazza. And um, many of you who are listening to this might have been following me since my early, early days blogging on Rich 20 something. And, you know, it was a wild ride back in the the early and the mid 2010s, you know, trying to find my way through the internet maze. And what I thought was so interesting was how my, (laughs) my true adolescence has mirrored the adolescence of the internet. And now as I mature, so does the internet mature just a little bit. Uh, You know, my last episode of the Daniel DiPiazza show was in 2019. And, you know, at that time I had just come off of, you know, pretty recently putting out my book, Rich 20 something. And I was at a place where I felt like I I felt like that kid kind of in between school years during the summer where I'd outgrown my clothes and I didn't have any new clothes yet, but the ones I had on were too tight. And not only literally was I outgrowing my 20s, but also figuratively, I was very much outgrowing some of the ideas that I'd gotten to, you know, that I'd gotten to from that point or to that point. You know, when I when I began my journey into entrepreneurship, it was kind of unwittingly so. You know, when I graduated from college in 2009, I just, I never felt that I wanted to go into the corporate world. I never felt that I wanted to work my way up a ladder. And as the story goes, I worked myself around from job to job, everything from working in, you know, retail. I worked in a museum gift shop and all the way, you know, up to uh, to working at UPS with those brown short shorts delivering packages and, and stuff in trucks. And then I, uh, I worked, you know, when I, as I moved across the country, I, I worked at a, at a steakhouse, Longhorn Steakhouse, which is one of my most famous stories about, you know, being stuck in the steakhouse and scooping those butter balls and just being completely out of my mind with, you know, annoyance and a little bit of pessimism, honestly, and, and borderline misery, I would say. And at that point, I knew I had to make a change. And it was interesting because at that time around 2010, well, guess what? 
the internet was going through its own type of transition. Now, we're going to talk about this as the show progresses and as this whole new series of, of conversation progresses. But at that time, we were smack dab in the middle of Web 2.0. Now, what is Web 2.0? What is the difference between 1.0 and 2.0? And what's 3.0? Let's take a quick detour into that and give you some context for why this new show even exists. You know, Web 1.0 is known as kind of the information stage of the internet. It's like, what time is my favorite coffee shop open? Or, you know, what time are the movies playing? It, it was kind of like the online classified version of the internet where there wasn't much to do, but you could consume some information. And it was exciting back then. I mean, I'm sure you remember... You've got mail. Da, 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 da. You know, this was my favorite time to be online because it felt so innocent. It felt so carefree. It felt so fun and new and exciting. And most people who are listening to this show are going to be millennials. And I have to hand, hand it to us. You know, we didn't know we were doing this, but we are absolutely the last generation to experience the transition between analog world and digital world. We're the last generation to feel what it was like before the internet. I remember my grandmother had her um, her gateway <clears throat> her gateway 2000 computer with that cow print box, and I opened it up and it had that 56.6k you know dial up modem, and it would it would use a whole phone line, and you couldn't you couldn't go on the phone if you were on the internet at the same time. That's how old I am now, and the internet was fun and exciting. And as I got older, so did the internet. And uh, in the early 2000s, uh, right around 2005 and 6, you know, a couple of things were happening. Mobile phones were exploding. Mobile internet was coming into the scene. And what is now known as, you know, as GAFA was starting to form. What's GAFA? GAFA is the, the conglomerates that now run the major web portals of the world. And it's Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon. Of course, all those sites were around well before uh, 2005 or six, but they were really starting to shape even more how the internet was seen and perceived and run at that time. And, you know, I was thrown right into that mix. In fact, 2006, the year that I graduated high school, was the year that I believe Facebook really popped onto the scene. They might have been on in 2005, but 2006, they really got kicking and that was the time when you had to have a .edu address to get onto uh, Facebook. And it was an interesting period to be back on social media, the beginning of social media at that time, because there were no um, th there were no pretenses of it being nefarious. There was no idea that it was about, you know, about your data. There was no idea that it was a you know, about anything except you connecting with your friends. And we almost didn't see Facebook as an entity. We just saw it as, you know, a, a web to connect us with the people that we already cared about. And it wasn't until, you know, 5, 10, 15 years later that we see that these, these companies were growing into something much bigger than their original purpose. And, you know, when I got onto Facebook, it was just, it was just to connect with friends and family. And I found a unique outlet for expressing myself through online media. And around 2009, I started my first blog. In fact, I think it was 2008 when I first started officially blogging in earnest. And I was uh, I was actually writing about my trips in Europe. I wonder if I can find those. If anyone can find my old blog spot, blogspot.com. I think it was called Dan's European Escapades.blogspot.com. If you can find that, send it to me in an email. I'd love to read some of these or maybe they'll be cringeworthy. But I... Uh, I really found that I enjoyed expressing myself through writing, maybe because I like to see uh, my own work in writing, maybe because I like to hear my myself talk, but I did enjoy it and it gave me a taste for what was to come. 
when I moved from my college hometown in Florida to Georgia, I really started to take flight with writing and eventually publishing videos online, YouTube and other types of things. And that was the beginning of social media as a tool as well as it really being an outlet for expression and reaching outside of your immediate friend group and family group into you know places and communities that you weren't normally a part of. And that's what I really started to take advantage of. It was a fun, fun time. And you know, the interesting thing about any transition on a platform is that you know, a, a rising tide raises all ships, as they say. And at that time, Web 2.0, which was the the consolidation of the internet in a way, the centralization of the internet through those ports like Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, the consolidation of the internet was already happening. And at the time, I believe the consumer saw it still as a very positive thing because, of course, it gave us access to all these free new tools. You know, all these free new ways of documenting ourselves from Gmail and Google Docs to, you know, to Apple and iTunes to Facebook and all the groups that you could be a part of to Amazon getting better and better with their services. And we all loved it. I know I certainly did. And to a certain extent, I still do. But we didn't really see kind of the the lay of the land as it is now. And I started to take advantage of that and realize that there was a true opportunity for me to grow something from this. And you know, when a when a platform is growing and you're involved in that platform from the very beginning, or you're an active participant in there and you're being consistent and you're you're actually utilizing the platform not just as a consumer, but as a creator, and that's very important. When a platform is in its its early growth stages. If you're a creator, you have a massive opportunity to win on that platform simply because there are just more and more people coming onto the platform. And so since there's less competition for creating content when a platform is new, you always have an advantage. Now, that's something you should think about in our later conversations. But at that time, you know, especially in the early 2010s, 11, 12, 13, 14, I was blogging my butt off. And at that time, I was, well, you know, I had just quit my restaurant job in 2012 or 13, and I was learning to freelance. I was hustling on a site called Elance. Get it? Freelance, Elance. And Elance is two two generations removed from what became then Odesk and now Upwork. And I'm sure at some work, someplace it will be bought again and turned into something else. But this is a freelancing website. And I was learning to, you know, build websites, do some light coding, do things that look really complicated to people who know nothing about computers. And let me tell you, if you know nothing about computers, a very simple WordPress template looks amazing. You know, if you don't know anything about that. And so I was taking advantage of that information gap. And that's something also to consider. When there's an information gap, uh, the technological expertise, which doesn't have to be even that robust, can serve as a huge lever to create and position yourself for services, for expertise, and all these things. So I was making websites online. I was, I was, I actually had a tutoring business where I was teaching SAT. I was just learning how to get it on my own. And I, I just wasn't, um, I wasn't wanting to be part of the system. I wanted to figure out how I could make money without having to worry about someone else paying me to do so. And, um, the interesting thing is about at this time, I was able to combine my, my passions for the first time. And this is something I've learned over the years is so important, you know, as you go through your life and you pick up skills, it's not just about necessarily hammering in one skill, which is so, so you know valuable, but it's also about combining skills that you've developed over the years to create unique 
uh, unique skill sets that create learned knowledge and learned experience that you just simply can't pick up from a book. And that's something that's priceless. You know, anybody can learn a, a simple skill, but it takes true experience to combine multiple skill sets into something that's truly unique. And that's what I began to do because I realized that through the internet, I could actually teach people how I was freelancing. So it's a little bit of a level up. It's one layer on top of the cookie. I don't know if that's a good analogy. It's one layer on top of the cake. You know, it's, it's like one meta level up. It's not just freelancing. It's teaching how I was freelancing because that has infinitely more scale than doing the freelancing itself to a degree. So I began teaching that at first for free. And I began teaching that and I started to develop a following around it. First, very slow. I started off writing on community websites, uh, you know, like under30ceo.com, which I ended up buying eventually. And, you know, then I got picked up on bigger and bigger sites over the years on places where, you know, it actually mattered at that time. You know, Entrepreneur, Fortune, Forbes, Inc. They started to write about the things I was doing because I was writing about it. And at that time, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, it actually made a big impact on my ability to be seen and heard for my viewpoints and the things I thought were important. And I was combining all the things that were that were fun for me. You know, writing has always been a passion of mine. I've always felt that I was a great writer. I probably because I had it reinforced in me as a child. And I was able to combine that skill with the actual business skills I was learning. And then I combined that with another skill, which was learning how to teach online, learning how to build a following, learn how to do all this stuff at a time when, you know, there weren't really any gurus or experts. It was more just like figure it out for yourself. And in 2014, that's when I finally hopped onto Instagram at the at the behest of my good friend Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine. Shout out to Nathan. And I realized the power of social media to its full capacity at that time. And I really started to grow my following. And over the years, you know, I built the audience and I delivered a book through Penguin Random House, which is a major publisher. And, you know, we did, we sold a lot of copies when that book launched in 2017. And I just started to solidify my viewpoint. And from the perspective of Kevin Kelly, who says, all you need is a thousand true fans, I think that I have at least that over the years, hopefully a few a few thousands of them. And uh, people seem to have resonated with the things that I find important. And most of it was around getting it for yourself, learning how to go out there, take a skill that you already have, turn it into something that is profitable for you. And, um, and you can live outside of that day-to-day work grind, which to me was never exciting. And... That's kind of where I left off after my book, but I have to tell you, you know, when that book launched in 2017, there was a big, you know, uh, there, there was a big push to get it out there. I felt good about it, and that's kind of just like, kind of like orgasming. You know, you come and then you say, "Oh man, what, what now?" You know, even if you're still in love, you say, "What next?" You know, I'm exhausted. And for me, I think that it was just the honestly, it was just the completion of a project. There's nothing wrong with after you finish a project feeling a little bit empty because usually that means that you fulfilled a goal. And now you have to move the yardstick. But for me, the the problem was I just didn't know where to move next to. I remember um, one of my mentors, Jay Samet, uh, met with me after the uh, after the book launch. And uh, you know, he, Jay has been an executive at multiple big companies over the years, and has written a lot of really important uh, works as well, including Disrupt You and all these books on the changing future. And he asked me, you know, what next? And I honestly couldn't tell him what next, as I just didn't know. And you know what? I have to be honest. It took me a few years because basically after the book launch in 2017, you know, in 18 and 19, I was kind of just riding off of that wave. There is a good bit of benefit to having put in a lot of work to a project and being able to, you know, basically cash in on that success over a period of time. But there are a couple things wrong with that. One, 
if you don't keep feeding the fire and keep producing things that are relevant, you know, eventually it kind of fades. I mean, even if you create a classic album or, you know, a classic movie, people are still going to say, what's next? What else you got for me? And you can still be known for your classic, but people want to know what now, you know, Harper Lee only created To Kill a Mockingbird and the rest of her life. She, everyone asks, where's the next book? Well, you know, um, we never got it. Actually, we got one. Uh, I think it was a Go, go Tell a Watchman. Uh, but, um, you know, it was after she was dead. So for all intents and purposes, she had one book while she was alive. And I didn't want Rich 20-something to become my To Kill a Mockingbird. And I also had more to say, but I just I didn't know how to put it all in pieces together. And to be honest with you, I was just developing myself as a person. And I... I, I kind of felt like a like a caterpillar inside of the cocoon. And when a caterpillar is inside of that cocoon, they call it a chrysalis. There's a metamorphosis going on there, and it's gooey, and it's messy, and it's kind of gross. And there's no shape or form to the caterpillar in between, you know, its beginning stages and its butterfly uh, emergence. It has to really kind of reshape itself. And that's kind of what I was doing. So in 2018 and 19, I was just figuring out what I had to say and I was dealing with issues with my family and just kind of like working through difficult areas of my of my life that I was uncomfortable with. I was facing a lot of my inner demons and like, you know, just processing the death of my grandmother and working through issues in my marriage and just just kind of just going through it. Not all bad, uh, not all good, but just, you know, just life. And real life does that sometimes, you know, you know even the most creative people, the most ambitious people just have uh, times where they need to take a break. And that's kind of what I was doing. I was still working, but I didn't have, uh, I wasn't at a place where I wanted to put anything new, anything that, you know, really put my flag down. And, uh, and then 2020 happened. And well, we all know what happened in 2020. It was a very interesting year. You know, one of the things that came up for me in 2020 was really going for it, you know, really fulfilling on my dreams. I have to say that, you know, look, as an only child, I was, I got a lot of attention as a kid and that was a good thing. And it also, I think, skewed for me, my sense of, my sense of my limitations in terms of, I almost never really pushed enough. And I know this is going to sound, well, however it sounds, but for my whole life, I've been able to put in, you know, 80% effort and get very, very good results. I've been able to, you know, study the night before the test and do well. I've been able to, you know, kind of let my foot off the gas and still win the race a lot of times. I used to joke with myself and my friends that I was the slowest fast person in, on, on the track team, you know, which meant basically I'm always at the pack. I'm always at the front of the pack with all the fast guys. But I never really care enough to be the number one because why? It takes extra effort. I've seen that play out for me in my professional life, in my jujitsu, you know, career, in my in my personal life, where I can put in a good amount of effort. I usually succeed or I rank, you know, somewhere near the top. But then I just I get exhausted and I don't feel like really putting in the rest of the effort to go all the way to number one. And that to me started to really eat at me. Now, I didn't know how to label it or put my finger on it in the beginning. I just kind of felt uh, this sense of unfulfillment, the sense of, uh, the sense of detachment because, you know, from the outside with the things I've achieved, the, the, the courses I've launched, the, the books I've put together, all the places I've been featured on, you know, I've made a good amount of money and, um, you know, everything from the outside looks fantastic. And only I know what my 100% is. So the problem is that my whole life I've gotten praised a lot for my 80%. And that praise uh, for my 80%, for my 8 out of 10, maybe sometimes my 7 out of 10, you know, my my high my high achievement, but my uh, my lack of total personal performance in my own estimation 
it's kind of not very encouraging to reach for the stars if you're getting praise for getting to the moon. Um, or uh, maybe that's a phrase, maybe it's not. And so I had spent a, a good amount of time feeling uh, kind of discontented with my own efforts and fighting against my own urge to stay mediocre in my own eyes. And again, people might look at me and say, oh, you're not mediocre. I want this or I think that's cool that you did that. But you have to understand it. I'm only measuring myself against myself. And that was the real issue. And so, you know, 2020, that was a kind of a light bulb to me. First, it was, um, first I, I, I had the, the realization, but I couldn't put words to it. And the first thing that I did was I started a new company that was based on an idea I had way back in 2010. And that idea was called Strength of Seduction. And this is a couples fitness program that's designed for couples to work out together and build intimacy uh, while they also um, develop fitness together. And it's a psychological, physical, uh, sensual plan and a program. And over the course of the last 18 months now recording this, we've put out uh, apps, we put out DVDs, surprisingly DVDs, uh, we put out books uh, or book, you know, and, um, and some other products as well that have done very, very well. And that to me is an affirmation of my own first step in going for the things that are important to me and in living out my dreams, not taking, not, not taking any shit for myself and, you know, taking myself seriously and seeing something to completion, although we're still in process with that business. But I was still working through what it really meant to give my all. And as I went into 2021, you know, not even, not, not even, we'll talk later about the pandemic and what my thoughts are on that. I have plenty of thoughts on that. And we'll talk about what I think about what's going on in the country and the world, you know, but just slightly fast forwarding through that, you know, once I got to 2021, I also wanted to continue to refine how my message was expressed to the world, just from my personal perspective, you know, not from even just a business perspective, but what I feel and what I think uh, in my, in my personal brand, you could say in my, in my public appearances. And that's kind of why this podcast is here. You know, the new wave entrepreneur is about preparing you, the entrepreneur for the world, not as it was, but as it is and as it will continue to be, as it will continue to evolve into I can see, and I know you can, that the world is fundamentally changing. And what do we do when all the things we thought were true are proving, in some cases, to have, to be a little bit shakier than we expected? You know, we see that the world is financially absolutely turning on its head. We see that socially the world is, you know, having a little bit of an upheaval. And we can see even that in the ter in terms of mental health and psychology, the, the state of the world is not quite where it needs to be. And that's why you, the entrepreneur, are so important because unlike any other, let's say, avatar, any other role in society, your job is to create and your job is to inspire and your job is to build and your job is to lead. And if that's your role, then you absolutely have to. You have to think in the future. And so that's what this is podcast is about. And I wanted to talk about things that are very, very important to me, not just things that I think would get, you know, uh, uh, SEO traffic or popular buzzwords, not just things that have been important to me in the past or that I've gotten uh, already recognition for, but the things that are actually resonating with me that I talk to my friends and my family about, the things that are, um, you know, the things that are of the most meaning for me. And really, when I think about new wave entrepreneurship, I think about three particular areas of focus, and that's what this podcast is going to be about. The first area of focus really is the new wave of financial technology and the coming attractions, as they were, of you know cryptocurrency and everything related. 
Now, really, when you think about cryptocurrency, if you go several layers up, it really all starts with Web 3.0. We're going to get into that, you know, a couple shows into this. We're going to talk about what Web 3.0 is, what it all means, what it's all breaking down to. And in later episodes, we're even going to do tutorials and talk about exactly what to do to make the most of this time. But the first thing you need to know is that the Internet is changing. You know, we had Web 1.0, we had Web 2.0, and now Web 3.0 is here. It's the age of blockchain. It's the age of decentralization. It's the age of cryptocurrency and DeFi and NFTs and DAOs and all these things. And we're going to talk about what that means and what it means specifically for you. So that's the first pillar of, you know, the new wave entrepreneur. And the second pillar of this really is what I consider to be personal sovereignty. Now, if you look at the state of the world, you realize that, man, across the world, um, there there are definitely some areas where people aren't allowed to do uh, what they need to do in complete freedom. I look at Australia and I see that the lockdowns are continuing. I see that there's more and more oppression. I see that across, you know, America, there are being mandates put in place and, you know, there are more restrictions than ever on where we can move, how we can move. And even just the fear around the pandemic and around vaccines and around all these issues creates psychological uh, barriers and limitations that we impose upon ourselves. And with that, We've also seen some actual physical violence in the world and um, and some real chaos. And what I want to prepare us for through these talks and through the conversations on this podcast is simply just, you know, keeping sovereignty within ourselves. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to be bringing on some incredible self-defense instructors, people on this, people who, who can talk about what it means to really protect yourself and your family. You know, I think another area of uh, focus that we should talk about is home defense. I think we could talk about firearms. I think we should talk about emergency first aid. I think we should talk about emergency preparedness. I mean, you know, I don't want to get too far out there for you, but prepping is not bad. And I always am optimistic. I always expect the absolute best, but I still prepare for the worst. And I don't even, don't even consider myself a prepper. In fact, I'm not sure why saying a prepper, is, why, why saying you're a prepper is such a negative thing, why there should be any negative connotation to this. I believe that you should be prepared for all things, you know, within reason. Uh, there's, look, you know, I was in Boy Scouts and their motto is always be prepared. Why should we think of anything differently in our adult lives? And of course, to be prepared for emergency situations, whether it's handling yourself in a physical altercation, whether it's preparing your home if the grid goes down, whether it's preparing Uh, you know, for a medical emergency, things like that. There are steps you can take. There are courses you can take. There are people that will give you great information. And all this stuff should be thought about and kind of at least planned preliminarily beforehand because when we're in a state of emergency, we're not going to have the time to look this up on YouTube or maybe we won't even have the ability. So we'll talk more about that throughout the show as the show continues on because I think it's highly, highly important. And, you know, entrepreneurship being about freedom itself isn't just about the idea of making money and the freedom to make money. It's the freedom to move. It's the freedom to make choices. It's the freedom to be sovereign. A sovereign individual is one of my favorite books uh, nicely puts it. So that's the piece on personal sovereignty. And the next piece, kind of the third pillar of this is really all about mental health and, uh, you know, its connection to spirituality and even psychedelics. These are areas that I think are so, so important. And I've done so much work 
on myself in different areas of just basic psychology, uh, therapy, um, you know, breath work, meditation, and of course, psychedelics over the years. And I don't think I'm a guru. I don't think I'm a shaman. I don't have any, um, I don't have any preconceived notions of how great I am as a, as a, you know, as a Buddha or anything or as some sort of, you know, saint. I'm not, but I am very interested in this stuff, at least from the perspective of being a student. And I think that as you develop yourself, new opportunities open up, new options, new availabilities come into play because you see the world in a different way. And through these experiences, especially psychedelics, which we're certainly going to get into, um, you will begin to change your personality. And from what I've seen, you know, at least in my life and the life of my friends and my family, in an overwhelmingly positive way, you know, when you do the work on yourself to remove some of these blocks, when you look at yourself honestly and truly in the mirror, you'll see things you didn't see before and you'll have the opportunity to change the parts of you that are no longer in alignment with who you want to be. And that really is alignment, right? When who you feel that you are and who you think that you are are reflected in how you act and how your your way of being in the world the 3d world that's when things start to click and alignment really happens and that's when uh, you can be the most powerful right because you really you feel weak if on the inside you're different than you are on the outside and it creates this imbalance this disharmony and we don't want that and as entrepreneurs we need to be as harmonious as possible so these are the things I think are so important, you know, when it comes to new wave financial, you know, when it comes to uh, personal sovereignty, when it comes to spirituality and, and, and physical and, and, and psychological health and psychedelics. These are the things that are most dear to me. And rather than just talk about business strategy, which is all important, I want to talk more about decision making and how you can make the best decisions for you based on these core values. So that's what this new podcast is about. That's what the new wave entrepreneur is about. And over the course of this new podcast series, I'm going to be bringing in guests who are much smarter than I, who have experience in their own lanes and their own lives to share their stories with you, to share some of their expertise with you in all these different areas and more. And I hope that you will join us for the ride. And if you want updates on how this is all going down, of course, make sure to check out my website, alphamentorship.com. You know, over the next couple months, I'm going to be releasing tons of new material on these areas. I'm going to be releasing free guides. I'm going to be releasing new podcasts, uh, new videos, and also maybe, well, you didn't hear it from me, but potentially a new book along with new programs. So make sure that you're staying abreast of all that information at alphamentorship.com and at, of course, my social feed, which is at Daniel DiPiazza. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, daniel at alphamentorship.com. And if you really want to get in contact with me directly, please feel free to text me. That's plus one because I'm in the United States, 202-980-1634. So go ahead and text me and I'll get back to you. And um, and yeah, so I look forward to hearing from you. Make sure you check out new episodes of this podcast as they drop every single week. And guys, get ready because the tide is rising the water is warm, so jump in and ride this new wave.